want to read the 24th and the 20 through 25th and 26th verse. You do not know that in a, do you not know that in a race all the runners run but only one receives the prize. So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath. But we, an imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air. But I discipline my body and keep it under control. Lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. Let's pray for a moment. Heavenly Father, we love you. We thank you. Lord, I pray that any words that, that I would say would be your word. Any words that we hear would be your word. Move your Holy Spirit among us, Lord. And by your grace, transform us, change us just a little bit more into the people that we want to be. Into the people that you want us to be. Into the likeness of Christ. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. There was an article written Oh, somewhere around 1999, somewhere in there. No, it's a long time ago, so it doesn't. Those of you who weren't here then, uh, that doesn't matter. Just want you to know it's been a long time ago. It told about a new website that had been created, and some little upstart company started by a couple of college kids, actually in a garage, and well, it wasn't even in a garage, it was in a dorm room when it first. Took, took aim and moved to a garage of one of their girlfriends. And uh, this company just became incorporated in a mild little way in 1998. The article's conclusion was that this company was a novelty, sort of a flash in the pan. If you remember, Internet wasn't too big back then. I know some of you can't even imagine that, but it wasn't was there, but it wasn't big. This company, being just sort of a fly-by-night, it had a great search fun function, the article said, but it didn't have much potential for marketing. So they wrote it off. Well, today, Google is one of the most visited websites in the world has a value of somewhere around $320 billion, with a B, dollars. And its parent company, Alphabet, somewhere around $900-plus billion. Now, looking at their, their history, it's amazing to see the vision that these young men had. Their vision gave them a boldness to, to break with convention, to attempt the unimaginable in spite of the naysayers, and they were many. And in spite of the odds. I tell you all this to emphasize that, that companies who do vision right become successful. It's that simple. And companies who have little vision or no vision or have lost their vision, well, 
you know what happens to them. More importantly, churches who do vision right change lives, change communities, and change the world. And individuals who do vision right can accomplish more than they ever imagined possible, influencing so many others for generations to come. Every man and every woman and every organization needs to have a vision. And they need to do that vision right. I'm not necessarily talking about a vision statement or mission statements, those kind of things. Oh, that, they're good. And if you can articulate your vision in, into the, one of those statements, that's even better. But I'm talking about some sort of interfeeling, inter-God-given direction that you have. Proverbs 29:18 in, in the King James Version says, For without a vision, the people perish. We need vision. We need vision. Interestingly, the word vision and the word revelation, they're related. They're similar. If, you, if you're, a, if you're a, a follower of Jesus Christ, then your vision for your life does come by revelation of God. It makes a connection. Being a person of vision doesn't merely mean we want to make a lot of money. It doesn't mean that we're trying to capture 100% of the market share or any of those kind of things. What it means for a follower of Jesus Christ is being a person of vision that, that says you've caught hold of the dream that God has for you. That somehow you understand or you're catching a piece of God's plan for your life. And believe me, God has a plan. Being a church of Jesus Christ means that, that we've caught hold of God's direction for where we're going and, and why we're here. His plan of how we're to go about making disciples of all nations. And this morning I want us to explore a little bit of the how we can take hold of the vision of God for ourselves, for our church, how we can make the most of, of that vision that He gives us for His glory and His praise. And the fir first key is focus. Focus. In the movie City Slickers, don't necessarily recommend it, but it's got some great lines. In the movie City Slickers, Billy Crystal and Jack Palance, they're talking about the meaning of life. Talking about the meaning of life and such things as that. And, and Jack's character was a fellow named Curly. And Curly says, do you know what the secret of life is? And he holds up one finger. This, he says. This, just one thing. You stick to that and everything else is meaningless. Billy Crystal looks at him says, that's great. That's great. But what's that one thing? What's that one thing? To which Curly says, that's what you have to figure out. It's the hard part, isn't it? You know, I talked about Google. One of the reasons they are so successful is because they have become masters of focus. 
Masters of focus. That one thing. That one thing. They wanted to develop the fastest, the biggest, the most accurate internet search engine, if you would call it that, on the planet. And they did. Everything else was second place to them. I like what uh, uh, preacher and theologian Frederick Buechner once said. He said, God calls us to the place where our, our deep gladness and the world's deep hunger meet. Where our deep gladness and the world's deep hunger, where they meet. In Paul's letter to the Corinthians, he talks about that one thing in life. And for him, it was preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. He says in verse 16, For if I preach the gospel, that gives me no ground for boasting, for necessity is laid upon me. Woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. In this section of, of Corinthians, Paul that we read, Paul's also talking about the strategies he's adopted and some of the sacrifices he's made. And just before the reading we had this morning, he talks about being all things to all people so that somehow he might reach some. Paul's goal, Paul's drive, Paul's one thing was to change lives through the preaching of the gospel. That's what God had called him to do. Verse 23, I do all this, he said, for the sake of the gospel, that I may share with them in its blessings. Talking about those he reaches. To share in the fullness of gospel, to share in the gospel with other people. That's what motivated Paul. That's what drove him. It was the one thing. It was the focus of his life. It's what he lived to do. It's what he lived to accomplish. And he did a lot of sacrificing for that you well know the stories you know i hope that we could we could ask ourselves what is the focus of my life what am i doing here why why am i in church this morning why am i in this place in this particular church what is my one thing that god's challenging me to pursue with more passion more energy than anything else what will I make my top priority? Well, in order for us to be people of vision, we need to have focus. We need to have focus. And that's the first key. That's the first key. The second key would be direction. Waldo Emerson once said, The world makes a way for the man who knows where he is going. I like that. In order for us to be people of vision, we need to be people of direction. You can't just wander around everywhere looking. You have to sort of have an idea of where you're going. We have an idea of what our destination might look like. You're not going to know for sure, but you need to have some idea, some, some thought about which direction to go. We need to have an idea now of where our vision will ultimately take us. One of the challenges of every church is that we be unified in where we are going. What's our purpose? What is our purpose? 
to define where God wants us to go and how God wants us to get there. If we don't, we become just another building with some people in it on a Sunday morning. And trust me, there are a lot of those in our world today. That's why Paul said in verse 26, So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one just beating the air. Paul knew where he was going. And he had a strategy. He had a thought for getting there. If you'll remember, Paul's desire was, was to go all the way up into Europe and, and, and preach the gospel up into Europe, up into Spain. Well, he didn't get there. He got to Rome. He got to Rome. Paul knew the direction to go. He just didn't know the full details of the ending. And that's where we are. We'll never know the full details of the ending. God's going to give us insight and direction for, for just what is in front of us. And He's calling us to be who He's called us to be as far as we can go in that proper direction. And Paul did just that. He did just that. As a church, we need to know where we're going. And we need to have some sort of a strategy to get there. The same goes for your life and my life. You know, we need to know where we're going. and We need to know, in, in some sense, how to get there. That's part of the vision that involves a, a little bit of dreaming, a little bit of imagination, a little bit of thinking really big, and a whole, whole, whole lot of faith. Because you're going to step out, then you're going to step back. You're going to step out again. And you're going to see light, and you're going to step further. And that's what it's all about. A few years ago, a church in San Antonio initiated an innovative little outreach program. They gave certain members of the congregation, those basically who volunteered to participate, $100 bill. They gave them a $100 bill. And they challenged them to take that money and in some capacity advance further God's kingdom with it. Well, one of the volunteers was a 10-year-old youngin by the name of Jack Jackson Rogers. And little Jackson took in the money and, and he developed an idea, a plan, that would turn his $100 bill into $50,000. That was his goal. That's what he thought God was leading him to do. And that would be enough to purchase, a, in that day, a Habitat for Humanity home. So he brought as much paper and stamps as he could with his $100. And he began writing hundreds of letters to friends and family and relatives, anybody he could think of, he sent them a letter, asking them to contribute to the project. And some of them sent in money, and some of them then forwarded his letter to others of their friends. And in just a few weeks' time, Jackson's letter raised $43,000. $43,000. It was a little short of the goal, so the, the ch church had a, a love offering and finished it off. $50,000. This 10-year-old boy designed and implemented a successful campaign to build a house for a needy family. That's the power of having a vision. That's the power of having a vision focused and fueled and directed. First key in, is focus. The second key 
is direction. The third key for taking hold of your vision is what I like to call expansion. The best goals are the goals that are bigger than you are. Bigger than we are. And that's because the best goals always involve God, who is bigger than we are. If we can do it in and of our own ability, then we're shutting God out. We're totally in the natural. And God is totally in the supernatural. So we have to have God as part of the vision, or it's not His vision, you see? It's not His vision. We need God to, to force us and, and push us, if you would, to stretch beyond ourself, to move into the, the realm of the impossible. That's His realm, where His power can go to work for us, where His power can, can make those what seemingly impossible connections come together. Like it did for Nehemiah, a slave in Babylon, who received from God the, the idea that he could rebuild the walls of, of old Jerusalem back in his homeland. Restore the glory of the holy city. Or, or like it did for young David. We, we know about his story. Little red-headed kid, the run of the family, whose job was watching sheep, who got a little task to take lunch to his brothers who were out on the battlefield. He had a vision when he got there. A vision from God that he could be victorious in battle. And he was. With those few stones, his little slingshot, he killed the giant, Goliath. Or like it did for Paul, the apostle we're, we're talking about, who had a vision of preaching, preaching the gospel, planting churches everywhere he went, all over the known world at the time. What is God doing? Great people of God have vision. Really, any person of God should have vision. I believe one of the marks of spiritual maturity is the ability to dream big dreams. I like what I heard one pastor say, if you can accomplish all of your goals in a year or two, your goals are too small. <laughs> too small. I dare you challenge you to dream big dreams. Big dreams. I dare you to develop a tremendous vision of what God can accomplish through you, through us. I dare you to be audacious enough to expect the impossible. Expect the impossible. Don't be just dumbfounded when it happens. But rely on it. Depend on it. Be bold enough to believe Paul's words that God is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or think. What we read this morning in our first scripture, according to His power that is at work within us. You know, if I showed you a single red paperclip story behind that, and if I told you that I could exchange this paperclip for a house, what would you think? Poor old Don's gone, right? 
You've been working him way too hard. Needs a break. No. No. Sounds crazy. But that's exactly what Cal McDonald did. He was broke. He was stuck in a rut. And he got this fancy idea that he was going to try to take a single red paperclip and trade it for something better. And he did. He kept trading up and then trading up just to see how far it would take him. It was a kind of a game. His first trade, for the, he traded the paperclip for a pen, and then the pen for a doorknob. Maybe one of those old doorknobs that people sometimes throw away, but collectors value big time. You know how that is. Then the doorknob for a Coleman stove. Then for an electric generator. And he just kept trading, trying to improve the trade every time. Fourteen months later, a little over a year, he made his final trade for a two-story, three-bedroom, two-bath house in Saskatchewan, Canada. Sounds impossible, even for Canada. <laughs> even for Saskatchewan, Canada. It does. But he was able to do it. It's a fascinating story. Incredible as the story is, think of how much more incredible our own story could be when we pursue a God-given vision. Not, not just a, you know, one of those, wonder if I could do this kind of visions. No, actually something that God would give us, a, a nudge, an inclination, a, a dream, a, a thought. How much bigger, how much greater. Designed to do something great for His glory. In, in order to be a people of vision, we need to develop the habit of thinking big. Thinking beyond what is normal. Not doing just what we did last year, but let's, where's God taking us this year? What's the new horizon out there for us? We need to learn to live with a sense of expectation. Not because we're impressed with ourselves, but because we're impressed with God. God can do it. God can do it. And God will do it. We need to develop a sense of, of determination that we will think big and dream big and take this thing as far as we can possibly take it. That's why Paul said in, in verse 24, Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? And then his admonition, So run, run, that you may obtain it. That you may obtain the prize. He's talking about the drive toward expansion. He, he's talking about that sense of expectation. He's talking about a spirit of excellence that, that must move all that we do in our service to God. Monty Roberts, I don't know if you've heard that name, internationally known horse trainer. BBC did a documentary on him called The Real Horse Whisperer. When he was a young boy living in a camper in the back of a pickup truck, he had a dream of someday owning a ranch filled with horses. He wrote about his dream for a class assignment in school. The teacher gave him an F. 
telling Monty that his dream was too far-fetched. He could never realistically hope to amass enough money to buy the land, the breeding stock, the equipment, to pay the salaries. He'd never reach his dream. That's what the teacher told him. His teacher offered him a chance to rewrite the paper. A little more realism, maybe, for a higher grade. Roberts responded, You keep the F, I'll keep the dream. That's where we're supposed to go. Because the world that you and I live in is going to tell us it can't be done. The world you and I live in is going to tell us, we don't want you to do it. You won't be liked. You won't be loved. You won't be accepted. Blah, 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 blah. We need to tell the world, you keep the F. We'll keep the dream. My prayer for you and and for all of us as a church today is that we think about what really matters. What really matters to us? What is that one thing, that one thing that God would call us to be? And with one heart and one mind, focus on God's calling us to bring His gospel His love, His grace, His power to our community and to our world. I pray that that God's passion would so empower us to dream big dreams and make plans to do everything necessary within our power to win that race. That He would open our hearts, that He would open our eyes to His vision, His purpose, And most importantly, His power. For you personally, today my prayer is that if if He hasn't already, that God would give you a dream, a vision, for what your life can be. And it isn't a life of desperation. It isn't a life of hopelessness. That's not our God. Nowhere will you find that in His Word, in His revelation to us. That wasn't our Lord. Look up. Look up to His plan with hope, with expectation, with excitement. Because God's showing up. (laughs) And that's got to be exciting. Fearful? Yes. A little nervous? Oh, yeah. But exciting. Because it's God's work. It's my prayer that we would think of what really matters and decide that we're going to focus on doing it above and beyond everything else. That you would think about where that one thing can lead you and how you're going to get there as far as you know. And you would get serious about that direction even though it may not make a lot of sense. Decide now exactly where you want to go. Don't be afraid to think big, to dream big, to hope big, to plan big, to believe big. We, you and I, we serve a great God. And He's eager to do great things 
in our life. Oh God, enable us to run our race 